Sorry, I have my little joke. I have to come up with something. You know, cut down on my nervousness up here. So, so, so as we're looking at this, we're in the sermon series, and it's called "Living for His Glory." Is the sermon series that we're looking at. So, before we get started, let me just pray for our verses this morning and our time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this morning, Father. We thank you for this church, Father. We thank you for your word, Father. And as we uh, come to you, come to your feet this morning, Father, I pray that you continue to humble us and guide us, Father. I pray that we're just blessed with your word, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit just guides us, Father. And truth is illuminated, hearts are penetrated, Father. And in the end, we pray that you are glorified, Father. So we thank you so much for this day, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if I could get you all to please open up your Bibles to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And if I could get you to stand also so we could honor the public reading of God's word. Before we read it, I'm just going to give the title of the message. And the title of the message is Avoiding the Sin of Partiality. So, James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 reads, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have we not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Verse 6, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme their honorable name by which you were called? Verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Verse 9. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. 10. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Verse 12. So speak and so act as those are those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Please be seated, everybody. So as usual, we're going over some light, fluffy verses in James. But I also love that James gives us these pictures that, that he's painting that we could take a look at so we could take some visuals with us and kind of see what James is telling us. So in here, we're taking a look at the poor and rich contrast that James has laid out for us in this verses. And we're going to start in James um, um, chapter 2, verse 1, which reads, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. So as I love James, he starts out very simple. He gives us a command. We start out a command by James, and what does he say for us to do? Show no partiality. He makes it real simple. Show no partiality. So let's unwrap the following idea um, that James is showing us in these verses. And the bullet point that I put up here for us to take a look at is partiality 
is inconsistent with faith in Christ because it is contrary to the nature of God. And I'll read that one more time. Partiality is inconsistent with faith in Christ because it is contrary to the nature of God. So let's take a look at what we know about God. God is always faithful, right? And we learned so far in the first chapter of James that God is good. God is steadfast. God is perfect. God never changes. And the trials or tests he gives us are to perfect us and to make us complete so that we lack in nothing. That's something we've looked at from chapter 1. And no matter what situation in life we are presented with, we must continue to display these characteristics, characteristics of Christ as he conforms us into his image. So as we get started and we look at this word of, of partial, I want to give the definition of partiality. So the definition of partiality is an undue bias of mind towards one person or opinion, which causes our judgment to be warped. I'll read that one more time. Partiality is an undue bias of mind towards one person or opinion, which causes our judgment to be warped. Partiality comes from our desires, our preferences of a person or object over another, rather than from a love of truth and justice. So I'll repeat that, rather than from a love of truth or justice. All of us make decisions with respect to the value or importance of people or things. Then we judge for ourselves which one we prefer, and our decisions are based on what is most valuable to us. So I want to take a look back at the verses from last week's message, which was in James chapter 1, verse 27. And James 1, 27, I think it's on the screen, it says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James left us with the idea of pure and undefiled religion, which describes someone who lives a holy and righteous life, blameless before the Lord. And as James stated in chapter 1 of verse 22, that we must be a what? A doer of the word and not just a hearer, who reflects on the perfect law, the law of liberty, which means our actions and our speech must reflect the character of Christ. James mentions two people groups, which are the orphans and widows. And when we think of orphans and widows, there are people who need help. And James tells us they are there are a people group who we must minister to. Widows and orphans are a people group who have nothing to offer in return. And who are they similar to in our verses this week? They are similar to the poor, who also have nothing to offer us. And they will be our focus for our verses this week. So knowing that James is a doer of the word, who is passionate about knowing God's perfect law. Um, and we know that he's familiar with the Old Testament. So we're going to look at two verses in the Old Testament that, look, that talk about partiality. The first one is Deuteronomy 1.17a. Deuteronomy 1.17a says, You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. Leviticus 19.15 goes along with the same thing. It says, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. Partiality and judgment was considered injustice. So as we flip over to the New Testament, we see that it is also the same. And the verse we're going to take a look at is Romans 
chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Romans chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 reads, there will, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. Um, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. Verse 11, for God shows no partiality. So the character of God in the New Testament is described as having no partiality, just like it is in the Old Testament. And so what we're going to take a look at is another verse right here that shows the actions of Jesus. Okay, Matthew 22, 16, and let me read it. Matthew 22, 16 says, And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinions. We are not swayed by appearances. Here we see the actions of Jesus showing he did not display partiality when dealing with people. As we see other people describing Jesus, and these people are coming to him for wisdom. So our next verse paints a picture of what it looks like to show partiality in our actions in James. So let me read James chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. It says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say, sit here in a good place over there by Chris, and, um, and then while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down in the back, but over there by Scooter, huh? <laughs> and verse 4 says, Have you not then made distinctions amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? So as we look here, we see two vivid pictures painted by us for James here. The first one is a picture of the rich, which is someone who has money. And they are described in these verses as wearing what? A gold ring and fine clothing. When we think of a gold ring, what do we think of? It signifies wealth. In our day and age, it will be someone who walks into the church. And what does he look like? He's got on black, shiny leather shoes. He's got on a three-piece suit, right? It's nicely pressed like it came just from the dry cleaners, right? His hair is perfectly in place. Not, not a hair out of place. You know, this guy looks real dapper, looks real clean. He sits down and he looks at the time. And he's got like his Apple Watch, right, which talks to him. Or he's got on his Rolex watch, which, you know, is so shiny. The person next to him is like, what the heck's going on over there? So that's this picture of this person that we're looking at. You know, he's got brand new clothes from head to toe. The second person that we're looking at is the poor person. And how is he described? He's described wearing shabby clothing. So shabby clothing signifies here a person who's poor. And the image that comes to mind for me is, I think of like a homeless person, someone whose clothing is worn and dirty, someone whose shoes probably have holes in them. They're pretty tattered. His hair is a bit ruffled or out of place, and he's a bit untidy. He might not smell all that great. Maybe he doesn't shower on a daily basis, right? But we better be careful. We don't want to pass judgment on him. But as we think about these and we see these two vivid pictures painted in our mind, and as we keep these um, comparisons fresh in our minds, I want to propose a question to you. So keep those visions in your mind. And while I do that, I just wanted to talk to you guys real quick. Does everybody know that on New Year's Eve that somebody came and they, I don't know what they did, they used like a, a metal object or something, and they broke one of the windows over in the youth room. So, so they cracked it in, right? They broke it, and it didn't really do nothing. They didn't steal nothing, praise the Lord. But basically, we just had to clean up a mess. And 
Praise the Lord for um, for Bill in the back and Phil over here. They came and they replaced the window and they cleaned it all, tidied it up. You guys walked in. No one probably even noticed it when they walked in. It looks back to normal. But the question that I wanted to pose to you is this. What do you think the person looked like that broke into that room? What do you think he looked like? Take a minute to gather a picture in your head. What do you think he looked like? That's a good one because you've seen the evidence. <laughs> And my question to you, does he look like the guy in the three-piece suit, shiny shoes, comb nice hair? Or does he look more like the guy in shabby clothing? Alicia said he looks like Jared. <laughs> so as we look at these images and we think about that, so what I want to propose to you is imagine if those two people walked into our church today. And I challenge you with this question, who would you greet first? Who would you come up to? Someone who's dressed nice and shiny, they're easy to go up to. They're easy to shake their hand. They're easy to talk to, right? You don't think twice about it. But when you think of that homeless person who's dirty, probably doesn't smell great, we have to take a minute to gather ourselves. We try not to stare at him too much. We try to prepare ourselves not to react in a bad way. We might ask ourselves questions before we go up to him to think what we're going to say. Because we might not ask him, where do you live? How do you get to church? It might be offensive to him. You think he's homeless. You don't want to ask him those types of questions, you know? So as we look at these ideas, we have these visions in our heads. Let's look at the fact. We all make assumptions about what people are like as soon as we see them and as soon as we lay eyes on them. Which brings us back to James 2.4. James 2.4 says, have you not then made distinctions amongst yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? When we make distinctions and judge others, it is the action of being partial. Notice here, it mentions judges with evil thoughts. We judge with evil thoughts when we choose how we will treat someone based on their outward appearances. Here we see in this example that judgment gives preference to the rich, well-dressed person instead of the poor person in shabby clothing. Why is that? Why is that? Truly, by looking at a person, we don't know if they are a good person or a bad person or if they are a sinner or a righteous person, if they are a thief or a hardworking person. I've worked in construction for most of my life, and I worked with this gentleman. Um, he was like head superintendent, right? I think his salary was about 200K. And the first time I met him, his jeans had holes in them. His shirt looked like he was soldering or welding or something. He didn't care much about his appearance, right? I never thought much of him. I just thought, man, this guy's pretty knowledgeable on the job site. But one day he came up to me. He's like, man, let's go to lunch. I'm going to take you to lunch. And I got into his Lincoln Mark V truck that was like probably more expensive than my house or anything that I own. I was like, whoa, what the heck do you do? You know, I just think about those distinctions that we make. And I always sit down sometimes when I go visit my mom. I talked about, I talked to her about, she works in a bank, right? So she talks about people that come into her bank. And she talks about this guy who comes in and he withdraws probably $30,000 every time he comes to the bank. That's his, his cash that he takes out. And she always said it's crazy because the guy comes in in these jeans from 1950s in this shirt that's so out of style, that's been washed so many times, he doesn't care much about what he looks like. 
and she always talks about how it's crazy because some of the other people who work in she and he always tries to come to her. But when the other people in the bank have get him because he's kind of a tough guy to deal with. He's not he's not the easiest guy. They're 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 like, man, that who's this homeless guy? And then the one lady was she was like, Oh my gosh, can you believe it? The homeless guy withdrew thirty thousand dollars today. So you think of these distinctions and what people look like and how we judge. So but what I want to take a look at is God's word. It's first Samuel. 16:7 First Samuel 16:7 says But the Lord said to Samuel Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him For the Lord sees not as man sees Man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart Man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart we must be careful when we judge people too quickly. Unlike the Lord who sees the heart, we quickly make errors in the way we judge people based on what they look like, what they are wearing, or what kind of car they drive, or what kind of phone they use, or what kind of computer device they have. So let's continue to look at the advice James gives us here. James chapter 2, verse 5 says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith? and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. Notice here that James starts his verse with listen. Listen. He wants us to pay close attention to this. The question he's asking is a rhetorical question that is letting us know the poor are God's chosen people. So the poor are God's chosen people. James describes the poor as those who are rich in faith, which means these people truly believe that Jesus is their Lord and Master. You see, they are referred to as heirs of the kingdom, right? Which means they love the Lord and they're obedient to his calling. Which tells us they have salvation in Jesus Christ. And these are the people that we're treating with partiality. The next verse is Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 21. And Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 21 says, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you shall laugh. So the Lord here is talking about Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor, which are his people. Let's go back to James 2, 6 through 7. James chapters 2, verses 6 through 7 says, But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you? Are uh, that the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? The action of partiality is making distinctions about people based on their appearances, and it has caused us to dishonor the poor man. If we truly honor the poor man, we would give him the best seat in the house. I think about back to also, too, when I used to work this one job. I had a vendor, right? And I loved it when he came in. We did a lot of business together. When he came in, he gave me tickets in an envelope. And I was always excited because when I got those tickets, I knew they were for a Laker game. I knew they were probably five rows back or maybe in the first section. Like, I got preferential treatment. So if I needed food, all I had to go was mm, over here. And they brought some food. You know, kind of walked right into the arena. Everything was nice and cozy. But then I had another guy who gave me tickets, right? He handed me tickets. They were in an envelope, too. And I remember I didn't, I didn't know him very well. 
He's like, hey, enjoy these tickets. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the game. I'm probably going to be on the first row, you know. And I didn't open up the tickets till I got to the game. When I got to the game and I handed them to the person, I'm like, oh, here I am. Here's my tickets. He's like, oh, sir, could you go walk over to that line? I was like, oh, okay. So I walked over there, and the guy's like, oh, your seat is, is up there in the nosebleed. So I was like, oh, man. So as I'm walking by the nice food aisles and all the people who are cozy, I'm headed up to my seat, you know, kind of getting elevation sickness because I'm trying to walk up those stairs, you know. And and as I think about that, I, and, and as I'm going to drive home, I was like, damn, what did I do to that guy? piss him off with something that I do business wrong with him? Why would he put me in those tickets, you know? So, so, so as we think about those situations, um, you start to think to yourself, oh, sorry, I already said that. So as we look at these situations, imagine how the poor person feels looking up at the rich person in the front row seating, up front with all the important people. Imagine. That's how people feel when we treat them with partiality and we dishonor them. When we treat a poor person badly, they usually do not retaliate. They are used to receiving whatever they can. They are used to leftovers or stuff that no one else wants, right? The rich person, on the other hand, is used to getting their way. They are used to influencing others with what? Influencing others with their wealth and power and getting whenever they want, which is usually the best of everything. Well, as I think about this, if the tables were turned and the rich person were sitting in the back of the church, they would be kicking and screaming to get their way, which is up front in the good place where they feel they belong. The rich person in the back of the church who was unhappy, complaining about how he deserves a seat with the important people, demanding the preferential treatment, would turn around and say something to the effect of, who is this God do you serve? Does he know who I am? He must not be all-knowing since he doesn't know who I am and where I belong, where I belong up front. As we look at these verses, that's, that's what I kind of see the picture that's being painted. But as we keep hope and we keep focus on who Jesus is, we know that from James, that God that we serve, he gives us every good and every perfect gift at the perfect time. Um, James uses these vivid and extreme examples of the rich and the poor so we can see the true nature of the sin of partiality. So the title of our message today is Avoiding the Sin of Partiality. So now let's take a look at how we're going to avoid the sin of partiality. And that's James chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. James chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. James says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law. As transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. How many points? Five points? One point. And we're guilty of it all. So we see James took the example of what love, of, of how, how love is used from Jesus' teachings. So as we focus on loving others, let's look at Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So as we look at this, as we look at love, let's look at the idea of who our neighbor is. 
Who do you think our neighbor is? Is our neighbor just the person next door? Is our neighbor the person next to us at work in the desk next to us? Is our neighbor the person that we casually run into at the grocery store? Is your neighbor the person that you're sitting next to right now or in the row that you're in? So as we think of these situations of who our neighbor is, let's read Matthew 25, 35 through 40. Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did you did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked or clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Strangers used two times in these verses. The person in this verse wasn't worried about who they were serving. They didn't even know anything about them. So they're like, who, who was this person that I served? This is someone who's just focused on kingdom work as we look at this. Partiality is a sin that exists on so many levels. The sin can be committed on a total stranger as we look at these verses. So as we look at this whole idea, I think to myself, what are things that can be done partially? When I clean my room, I usually do a partial cleaning of my room. I might start organizing my bills and set them to the side, but I won't get to my laundry. Or I might do my laundry and I won't put my shoes away or fix my bed because I'm not a bed fixer. So sorry about that. Or when we wash the car. When I was in my 20s, I used to wash the car with the hose, get every spot, clean everything to it. And now when I wash my car, you know what I do? I pay five bucks, drive through the self-serve car wash. And if I'm in a good mood, I might grab a towel from my trunk and wipe it down the best I can and then try to drive as fast as I can out of the parking lot to get the water off my car, right? Uh, <laughs> bro, praise the Lord for those self-serve, right? <laughs> so can kids partially obey their parents? We won't talk about that. We'll leave that to their parents that they haven't talked about. So can we partially bring home groceries from a grocery list from the store? I do that all the time. And as we look at these questions, the questions get more serious. Serious. Can we partially love somebody? I think to myself, like if I was dating a girl, and I say, you know what? I like you partially. (laughs) Or if you came home to your wife, you're like, hey, honey, you know what? I love you partially. How do you think that's going to go? Let me give you a partial hug. (laughs) No. So as we think about this idea of partiality, we think about this love. Obedience is all or nothing. Obedience is all or nothing. And as we think about what does love look like, what does love look like to me? I love Philippians 2, 3, 4 because it paints a perfect picture. Philippians 2, 3, 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. The interest of others. Love is when we give all that we have and serve others unconditionally. So let's jump into James 2.11. James 2.11 says, 
For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So these commandments that we just looked at, they come directly from Deuteronomy. I think it's chapter 5 and chapter 12. And we have the sin of adultery and the sin of murder, which are very serious sins that are easy to see. When you kill somebody, it makes a mess. When you commit adultery, you usually get yourself in difficult situations. People got pictures of you. It doesn't go very well. So these are easy sins to point out. So when I looked at this verse, I thought to myself, can we pick and choose what commandments we obey? That's the first thing that came to mind. But what I thought was the point that James is trying to get across to us is to make sure we understand the seriousness of the sin of partiality, what the sin of partiality is. In the end, partiality is a sin. It is a transgression. It is a violation of the law, period. In the end, partiality is a sin. It is a transgression. It is a violation of the law, period. It is just as serious a sin as committing adultery or murder. And as I think about these situations, we don't read our Bible and approach obedience the way we prepare our sandwich at Subway, right? Where we pick and choose what we want. Like, I don't like tomatoes. Here's a go up to the lady, keep it simple. I like everything but tomatoes. And she always asks me, do you want jalapenos? And I always say, yeah. I want the pepperoncinis and the jalapenos too. Obedience should be more like when we're with our mom and dad visiting the close friend's house. We eat everything that's on the plate because that's what they told us to do. We don't only eat it, but we do it thankfully. Matthew 5, 18 through 19. Matthew 5, 18 through 19 says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Relaxes one of these commandments. So as we come to the end of these verses, James 2, 12 through 13 walks us through. It says, James 2, 12 through 13 says, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The way we treat people and the way we act towards people should always reflect the character of Christ. <clears throat> Let's not so quickly forget what James has already told us in the first chapter. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Church, let us not be people who are deceived into thinking that we are followers of Christ. May we truly be people who are set apart for the world, from the world. May our actions be holy and righteous, a true reflection of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we come to the end, I want to take a look at this picture. I thought it was awesome. And, and I, it's like, and what do we, and what did the life of Jesus Christ look at? And there's a quote by John MacArthur. Ah, sweet. I didn't highlight it correctly, so I was making sure it was up there. The quote says, It made no difference to Jesus whether the one to whom he spoke or ministered was a wealthy Jewish leader 
are a common beggar, a virtuous woman are a prostitute, a high priest are a common worshiper, handsome are ugly, educated are ignorant, religious are irreligious, law-abiding citizens are criminal. His overriding concern was the condition of the soul. So when people come into the church, do we love them because they're hurting? Do we love them because they're having difficult times? Do we look at them to help them? Do we have the mind of Christ? Do we have that idea inside of us? So before I leave, get down off of here because I can stop sweating and everything, I want to give a quick recap of today's lesson. The recap, is it up there? Ah, it is. Sorry. My hand's bullet points. That doesn't, so I got confused. Um, partiality is inconsistent with faith in Christ because it is contrary to the nature of God. Partiality comes from our desires or preferences of a person or object over another rather than from love or truth and justice. We make distinctions and judge others. It is the actions of being partial. When we make distinctions and judge others, it is the action of being partial. The poor are God's chosen people. Obedience is all or nothing. In the end, partiality is a sin. It is a transgression, it is a violation of the law, period. The way we treat people and the way we act towards people should always reflect the character of our Lord and Savior.